Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman. Today, we're going to the UK to Dr. Kupreet Kaur. She is an intersectional gender specialist. She received her bachelor's with honors and a master's degree from the National University of Singapore and has a PhD in gender and post-colonial ecofeminism in literature from the University of Warwick, UK. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to come on the podcast, to share about my story and everything. I always say that when people ask me this question, tell me, where did it all start? I sometimes don't know how to answer this. So I'm going to try my best. I primarily work with gender, human rights, minority communities and decolonial approaches within intersectionality and interdisciplinarity. My first and foremost training actually has been in gender environment and human rights. I look at different facets of how women and gender are linked to climate change. What is the connection between women and land? What is the connection between women and water? How are minority communities factored into this? What is the connection between women and animals? Particularly when we look at language, there is a very deep-seated connection between sexism and speciesism. Also look at connections between women and the urban environment. Many times cities are given a very bad rep that cities are all about capitalism. Cities are all about something. They are all bad. What we forget is that sometimes cities produce unexpected spaces for women to actually challenge patriarchy in very, very unexpected ways. Particularly, say, for example, when we look at some Global South countries where a life in the village sometimes can be quite quite structured in terms of labor, in terms of patriarchy, in terms of tradition. And if a woman gets an employment opportunity in a city, the fact that she starts becoming financially independent and has to move out on her own to the city while presenting challenges also presents opportunities. The city sometimes starts getting a bad rep, but then we forget that there are these pockets and spaces that exist in very, very unexpected ways. This was all done, this is part of my PhD and the part of research that I produced. It was also during this time that I had to take a massive, massive break, long career break, due to endometriosis. In 2013, when I was in the middle of my PhD and I was at the peak of my academic career, 
I had a massive flare-up of endometriosis. To those who don't know what endometriosis is, scientifically, it is the lining of the uterus actually grows outside of the uterus. What that does is it causes massive, massive debilitating pain. It doesn't necessarily start in the pelvis. It can start at the lower back. If deposits are found in other parts of the body, they have been known to be found on the lungs and the lower intestine. I've had that as well. It's an extremely, extremely painful condition and nobody knows about it much. I was in a wheelchair due to endometriosis for five years. So from 2013 to 2018, I was around about 28 years old when I ended up on the wheelchair, about 33, 34 years old when I got out of it. In that space, in those five years, I don't think I have gone through anything so dark in my life. Those five years broke me. The pain broke me. I went through full surgeries, about five to six surgeries. I had multiple nerve blocks, about, I think it was about four to five nerve blocks, and ultimately a hysterectomy in 2018. I was on a cocktail of drugs. I was on fentanyl patches. I was on morphine. I was on epidural ketamine. You name it, I was on it. I could not sit like this in a 90 degree position. I couldn't stand. I couldn't even lie down in a position that didn't cause the pain. By the time I actually got out of the wheelchair in 2018, my musculoskeletal structure was actually crooked. I had to undergo intensive hydrotherapy because in that state, when your pelvis and your core is actually quite weak, they don't encourage you to actually do any exercise or physical activity, which actually bears weight so on ground. That was the other challenge, finding a competent physiotherapist who specialized in hydrotherapy for women's pelvic conditions was finding a needle in a haystack. By 2017, I was then told by my university that I could not take any more extensions. Therefore, I either had to finish the PhD by 2017, or they would revoke my candidature, my PhD candidature. This was quite, it was quite something. I had to sit down with my supervisor, my family, etc. And everybody was, no, 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 don't give up. I don't care how you do it, you do it. Strangely, it became a sort of a lifeline, something mm. external to my misery and my pain to focus on. It got me through one of the toughest times in mm. my life. I finished my PhD while being on a wheelchair, while being on epidural ketamine, fentanyl patches, you name it, on all those drugs, while undergoing multiple surgeries, even in that state, I finished it. Think about what you have achieved, Payne. So much darkness in your life. Then people saying like, hey, if you don't finish your PhD now, you're off. People don't have no. a heart. It's been such a 
a weird, challenging journey, Suzanne. I finished the PhD. I went, after that, I went, I submitted it. I went for my hysterectomy. I said, I got it done. I went for the physio, the hydrotherapy, etc. And then came the challenge of, oh, obviously my career by that point had suffered quite a bit. The gap had been very, very long. I did manage to finish a PhD, but there wasn't any consistent research output. There wasn't teaching that was happening. Thus began the journey of finding jobs and postdocs after doing that. And I faced rejections for three years continuously. I just faced rejections. I couldn't get an academic job. I said, I tried publishing. They said, no, you're too overqualified. I tried so many things. I tried finding jobs in Singapore. No. I tried finding postdocs overseas. No. I was also aware that I was competing with other people where where I had lost those five, five six years in, in the wheelchair. Other people were actually had a linear path and they probably had a lot more to show on their CV than I did because I lost out on it. But that doesn't mean that I didn't, I, I don't come with a separate set of skills that I gained during that time. I overcame adversity. I think a lot of employers don't see that when they see the CV. Handling an an adverse situation and completing a PhD in that adverse situation, it obviously shows I can handle pressure. I can handle, (laughs) I'm flexible, I'm adaptable. You're not giving up. Not giving up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also creativity. Being on a wheelchair in that kind of pain, you have to be very creative in a lot of things, in solutions to how do I go from point A to point B and get myself a glass of water? Mm -hmm. How do I navigate an inaccessible space, an inaccessible situation? It takes a lot of ingenuity and creativity to do these things, again, which employers will state that, oh, we look for creative thinkers. But then when we come there, despite having a gap on the CV, they don't want to take you. This is also a gender inequality problem because if we look at the studies that have been currently done, studies show that men who have had the same amount of, say, gap in their careers due to health reasons, they are more readily absorbed in the job and career markets and at higher positions than women who start getting in. We are seeing a cycle that gets perpetuated in terms of gender inequality, wage inequality, pay gap as well. Because if women are coming in after career gap at lower positions, then they're not making it up to higher senior level leadership positions as well. In the midst of all of this, I decided that I need a completely radical shift in a lot of things. I uprooted myself during this time when I was going through my health situation with endometriosis. I was back in Singapore at that time. I decided to leave Singapore again, come back to London. And I decided that I'm a gender specialist. I have all of this wealth of knowledge. I need to put it to good use in a different direction. I decided to do human rights law. I enrolled myself into a University of London School of Oriental and African Studies. 
I got onto the international human rights law track. I just finished my LLM in international human rights law last September. I looked at conceptions of female violence and female terrorists in international human rights law. I am now aiming to work in the international policy, international relations, international affairs sector, or the NGO sector, combining my research skills, my advocacy skills, my legal skills together to help, um, uh, I wouldn't say help women, but to sort of help a lot of the gender inequality issues that we are currently facing, whether that is within the security sector, the climate sector, the digital sector, a lot of what I do kind of overlaps in that space. I am also, again, back in the job market, this time with very many different skill sets that I have to play around with. Let's see what happens on that front. Very many rejections still, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Let's hope. And those rejections are so hard. How do you deal with it? I remember I was looking for a job and I think I sent out, I tell people 360 resumes, basically one resume a day. And it took me a year to find a job. This was a few years ago. Where do we put you? Are you going to be self-employed? Are you a consultant or are you teaching? There's so many opportunities for you. Where do we start to help you? I am... Actually, doing some consultancies while I'm job hunting. So mm -hmm. I have some independent consultancies on in the pipeline. I'm helping some think tanks and some nonprofit organizations on the research side, the policy side. Part of my forte is that because I come from two different interdisciplinary backgrounds, gender, climate, the humanities, and then international human rights law, I'm able to to kind of see things, I think, from a perspective that not many pe people can see, where people miss certain points or people miss certain angles. I can look at it from that angle and say, no, 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 actually, there is a solution to this, or there is something that we can do about this. That is something we need to look into. I think that is very, very unique, something that I do offer. But other than that, I think the fact that you're saying, I think a lot of people kind of have a problem in that they can't really box me. They don't know how to categorize me or they don't know how to place me. But I don't think that should be an issue because I hold specialisms in different areas, but that doesn't mean I have to be boxed into one. The fact that a lot of things are now overlapping, a lot of issues are overlapping, also means that we have to be quite flexible where disciplines are concerned. They will overlap as well. I think this is rather than it being a weakness or it being something that completely befuddles people that they don't know what to do, I think this is a strength. And not very many people like me carry that strength. So that is something to be tapped into as well. While I'm doing consultancies, I'm also actually speaking. I take on speaking opportunities to raise awareness on intersectional aspects of gender, security, women in security. I do on gender and disarmament, the human rights components to all of this. I also look at intersectional factors where domestic violence is concerned. A lot of women, along with domestic violence, are also facing this thing that we now call digital violence. 
violence in the sphere of the social media space or the digital space where without their consent their photographs are shared without their consent addresses are shared that's called doxing cyber flashing or they get rape threats online in fact today i was one of the un women uk's delegates to the commission on the status of women we had an in person brainstorming session where we were looking at what do we do when women are actually faced with this kind of abuse online where are the gaps there what are the laws and policies can laws and policies actually take effect do they exist and what can we do in the interim while say a bill is being passed in the government but a woman is going through something this how can we empower the woman to know what are the next steps she can take if she has faced something like this to be honest i'm actually quite enjoying it as well it's broadened my own horizons my own perspectives it's a good place to be i just need employers to see that i come from human resources and i know that disability actually is the biggest growing minority i only speak for the us it's amazing to hear from you that again women are discriminated against we're at the still at the beginning in a way but what i liked when you said at the beginning that sometimes when women come from a rural area and they go into a city that they become independent they can learn and it's supporting their development what i think is also important we need to ask for help absolutely to ask for help and be shy who can help obviously you and i were part of ovit this is the women in international trade we met yes. each other at the networking event but yes. we need to connect and we need to find the right people or you need to find the person who knows another person to get you to the next level absolutely part of the problem is that as women we have never been encouraged from young to actually put forth our best step go forth and actually assert yourself say that i'm good in this and do that networking with that kind of gusto and confidence that is expected of men and this is part of the things that we have to challenge as well the gender stereotypes and not just in the sphere every in in every aspect of life where the problems that we are seeing in so many areas actually stem from the fact that boys and girls very early on are socialized to be in certain ways women must be submissive women must smile all the time women must look a certain way boys must be aggressive boys don't cry boys they exhibit leadership qualities and women don't and if they are if they exhibit leadership qualities they are aggressive they are bossy they are bitchy all of this needs to go the discourse needs to completely change around all of these things otherwise we already the un has said antonio guterres said that it'll take 300 years in the state that we are currently in to reach any sort of gender equality that is not in my lifetime is not in your lifetime that is not even in our grandkids lifetime it's so sad and it's so tragic that this is the state of affairs in 2023 how are we saying that oh there's gender equality oh no workplaces don't discriminate it's there it is there and it needs so much change so much advocacy to change that and we are still doing the work 
We need more of you. But I have another question. What do you do when you don't work? <laughs> oh, no, I'm... I'm a big foodie, Susan. I love oh, food. Good. Uh, I love trying out new places to to eat, new cuisines. And London has become a little foodie haven for me. Every weekend, there's a sort of like, oh, this looks interesting. This looks it has good good desserts. This is good coffee. This is good Japanese food. This is good Thai food. It's amazing. I love eating. I love just. Just soaking up the sights and sounds of London, really. Just after many, many years of battling pain of of being on the wheelchair, the feeling of actually being back on my feet, being able to walk, being able to do that on my own. I I can't explain how how exhilarating that is, but also at the same time how humbling it is, because. I have known the other side. I have known how how it feels like to be so helpless and on the mercy of my family members to even take a glass of water or to go to the toilet and to get this independence back after losing all my confidence has been quite a journey. It's been an emotional journey. There are very difficult days sometimes. In all of this, I also, I lost my father in 2021 due to liver cancer. That is also, it's a very, very bittersweet thing because I promised him on his deathbed that I'm not going to give up the path I'm on. I'm going to complete my law degree. I'm going to start anew, start afresh. And I promised him I'll do it. I did it. But then I'm facing a future without him in it. There, there's so many milestones that I'm facing after I got out of that wheelchair that I would have loved my dad to be by my side and tell him that, hey, dad, look, I did this. I made it. It's bittersweet. I know wherever he is, he's with me. He's watching. And I take strength from that fact that I promised him that I'm going to do this. I'm going to go on. I'm not giving up in any way. I'm going to live in honor of him. That's one of the things. But the one other thing that I to do when I'm not working is I'm a big, big, I'm a big movie buff as well. I think I love, I love the escapism it affords me. I have a humanities background. I've worked on films and culture. We can yeah. learn so much from you. And I know your father, wherever he is, he's very proud of you. And we're also here with you. Let's work yes. together. I think cut the 300 years. Oh, yes. <laughs> cut the zeros. Okay. I mean, it is so shameful that we are living in the 21st century and we have 300 years before we reach any sort of gender parity. That is horrible, horrible. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. We need allies, we need other women, but we need men also. We need men yeah. to actually step up and say that we need men to talk to other men that, no, this is not right. What can we do? What can we step in with? How can we help? We need to work together, definitely. Thank you Thank so you. much for all your insight and keep going. Thank you. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. We need to change. We need to change much more. Are you ready? Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes every Monday. Chime in. We have interesting stories. You can learn from interesting people. And Take It From The Iron Woman is also the book, Global Business Coaching with Sports Parallels. Get it in your local bookstore or download it. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next time.